Excellent. I think that's good. You see, it may have happened that maybe a few years ago, Amanda and I might have had our Christmas tree up mid-November. Is that too early? It's a little bit too early, yeah. Yeah, it was completely Amanda's decision. I had nothing to do with it. But I genuinely love Christmas lights. I love lights in general. And I don't know about you, but growing up in London uh, or any big city or town, you rarely experience proper darkness. Because you go out on the streets, there's street lamps. You see on the skyscrapers, they have those red lights. When you walk uh, through town, there's always that orange glow in the sky in London. But as a kid, I loved growing up here in London, and I loved um, being here as a child. Because when I went to bed, my, my room was filled full of light. When I used to go to bed, I was scared of the dark. And so I'd be in my room, and I could hear the kind of the hum of the North Circular. I could hear the hiss of the tube. I could hear the kind of click-clack of the train just down the road in Hendon. But most of all, I had the M1 floodlights. Just at the end of my road, they would light up my room. And I loved it because by it, I could see that there were no monsters in my room. But when I say the word darkness to you, what comes to mind? A room, the vastness of space, maybe the countryside at nighttime. One of my favorite directors uh, is Christopher Nolan. Anybody know Christopher Nolan? Amazing films, Inception, Interstellar, Memento. But in his films, he always has a strong play between light and dark. And if you particularly watch the Batman trilogy with Christian Bale that he made, you can see the play he has between light, trying to overcome the darkness. And there's one film that he did called uh, Insomnia uh, with uh, Al Pacino and Robin Williams. And in it, Al Pacino plays a police officer who is called from Los Angeles to go all the way up to the north of Alaska to investigate a murder. And as he's up there, he arrives in northern Alaska at the height of summer. And so the sun never sets. And so as he's trying to uh, kind of investigate this murder, as he's wrestling and reflecting on his life and the guilt of his kind of life and the things, the mistakes he's made, the sunlight acts as an illustration of penetrating into his life. When he goes to bed at night, he tries to block out the light. He puts the pillow over his head. He puts the duvet over him. But the sunlight is still coming into his room at three o'clock in the morning. And so he tries to kind of gaffer tape up all the curtains, but the light still breaks through. The light is not only shining on him literally, but it's shining on the dark parts of his life and of his heart. Wikipedia, a wonderful source of information, says that darkness is the direct opposite of light. Another definition says that darkness does not exist by itself, but is simply the absence of light. In other words, darkness is a no thing, it's a nothing. You can't grab it or bottle it or move it, and yet it still feels extremely real and scary and claustrophobic. That's why we love light. That's why light is so amazing. Light is something that we all desire because it shows us where to go. It guides us. So have you ever experienced utter darkness? Pitch black, nothingness. There's a few nods of heads. Most of us have never experienced true darkness where you can't even see 
your hand in front of your face. Back when I was younger, I was around 12, 13 years old. Um, my dad be uh, began going caving. And so when I'd go and visit him in Italy, he started taking me caving as well. And in central Italy, you have the Apennine Mountains that go down the middle. And over the millennia, the rivers have carved um, paths through these mountains. And so you can crawl and kind of make your way through these, these paths within the mountains. I can feel some of you are sweating already with the claustrophobia. You climb over rocks, we'd squeeze through tiny spaces. And then every now and then, you would come to a humongous cavern that had been carved out in the rock, 100, 200 feet wide. And this is me when I was about 12 with my dad. And we, you would come through to one of these um, caverns that was humongous. And there'd be about five or six of us in one of these rooms. And when we'd go caving, we'd have our kind of yellow PVC thing, caving suit. We'd have our white helmet. And then our torch wouldn't be um, a battery light. It would be a tiny flame. And we would have a tube that would go down the back, and it would, be in this, and it would go into this canister. And in the canister, you would have some kind of sulfurous, phosphorus rock that stunk. I don't know what it was called, but it smelled horrible. And above it, you would have a bit of water, a bit like a percolator. It would just drip onto the rock. And the fumes that it made would go up the tube, and that's what gave us the fuel for our light. And you would click the spark, and your little flame would come on your um, helmet there. And so when we'd find these caverns, we'd take a break. There'd be about five or six of us, and we'd all sit down, and we'd turn our torches off to sort of see what it was like to be in utter darkness. And as we were sat there, we were hundreds and hundreds of meters away from any type of light. And even though we knew we were in a room, sometimes even as big as this, the darkness just envelops you. The darkness is so claustrophobic that it feels like it's right there in front of your face. But then one of us would click our torch and a tiny, tiny flame would come on. And that tiny flame would give us enough light to see the borders of that room. Despite the fact it was hundreds of feet and this flame was literally that big, the tiny bit of light in the utter darkness would just cast light over the whole thing. And sometimes one of us would go to the other side of the room and we'd turn our lights off, we'd get used to the dark and then one would turn it on and by that light, you could see so much. That one light in the darkness was completely overwhelmed and yet it made all the difference. That's the promise Jesus makes for us. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus clearly links here. He links light with life and clarity, and he, leads, and he links darkness with confusion and stumbling. Just like a torch may only kind of light up a few paces in front of us, it's still enough to keep walking. It gives us clarity and a sense of direction. That's what Jesus promises. Not just any old direction, but a direction that leads to life. Jesus equates light with life. He says, whoever follows me will have the light of life. Why? Because God loves us. Because he wants us to flourish. Because he wants us to seek good. Because he wants us to be built up and to bring reconciliation and wholeness, not confusion and chaos. That's what darkness brings. And so just to quickly give us a bit of context with the verse that we read, 
today. We see Jesus speaking to the Jews of his day. And for Jewish people in Jesus' day and in the Old Testament, life was um, described as a walk, as a path, as a journey. Jews and Jesus, they knew this better than anyone. That image, when they thought life, they thought a walk, a path, a journey. And in Jesus' day, there were no tarmac roads. There were no straight superhighways. Roads were made of stone and dirt. They had holes. They had rocks. They were uneven at times. And they were dangerous as well. If you think being in a town at night where the lights are, and there's another town three, four miles away, you have to journey through the countryside, the valleys, and it's dark. Bandits could jump you at any moment. You could be killed, which is the story of the Good Samaritan. So walking in Jesus' day in darkness was dangerous. It could mean death. Light in the towns meant life, safety, clarity. Psalm 119 verse 105 says, your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. Light means life and clarity. Clarity in my experience doesn't mean easy. There's a difference between having a simple idea of what to do and simply doing it. And that's not that Jesus promises us an easy life, but he does promise us clarity and he promises us wisdom. Wisdom to see how to guide us on that straight path. A life, his plan for us is not that we have a life full of chaos and panic and hatred and selfishness. So how does God guide us as the light of the world? How does he stop us from descending into chaos and darkness? Well, I found that when we ask Jesus for guidance, for his light, for the way forward, he does two things. He lights the way outwardly, and he also lights the way inwardly. Outwardly, because Jesus is desperate to show us the way of life. He wants to be with us when we make decisions, when we make decisions about our career, when we make decisions about our choices and our goals, because he has the wisdom to see ahead where we can't. He has the wisdom to guide us as we patiently pray and we ask him. Um, I've been married for over 17 years now to Amanda, and actually, this morning, I had to cut my wedding ring off my finger for the first time in 17 years, my ring, wedding ring finger. I hurt myself playing football. My finger was swelling up. And Amanda said, we need to get the ring off this morning. Otherwise, your finger's going to drop off. And I said, I can't go to hospital because I'm preaching. So we used some bolt cutters, and we cut it off. And my finger's still there. However, 17 years we've been married. And when we got together, we always had a sense throughout our whole marriage that our lives and our jobs are there for Jesus and for his people, to serve him and his world. And we've never had the complete picture of what that looks like, but we've always known that Jesus lights the way. Seven times we've moved for, for ministry and for jobs, and every time when we pray, we start early, we start praying, and we say, Jesus, where is it that we can go that fits in line with your wise plan. Because every time he has amazingly provided for us where we've lived and the opportunities we've had and, and being here is one of them. 
because he has the wisdom to see ahead so we can ask him for the clarity. Proverbs 4.11 says, I instruct you in the way of wisdom and I lead you along straight paths. So Jesus can shine outwardly, showing us those next steps when we ask him. But more difficultly, he shines inwardly if we let him. He wants to shine light onto our hurts and our pains. And he wants to light the dark parts of our lives. In that cave, when we used to go through small, narrow passages, we couldn't quite see behind some of the rocks because the light couldn't get past it. And there were dark parts. There were hidden areas that we couldn't yet see. And there will be parts of our lives that are hidden to us and hidden to God, not yet touched by his light. Either they're areas where we've been hurt by a loved one, a family member, a parent, a friend. You know, I've spent the last 15 years of my life allowing God to help me heal from things in my upbringing. Because God shines light on our pain. Or maybe it's areas where we have selfish desires, sinful things that we're struggling with, things we're ashamed that control us. God wants to shine his loving light onto those things. Not to shame us, but to free us. You know, sin wants to turn us inward so that we retreat from others and God and ourselves. Maybe we're struggling with hate towards someone. Maybe we're struggling with unforgiveness or negativity or addiction, shopping, gambling, substances. Jesus wants to shine on those dark parts to bring us healing, to bring us cleansing. You know, at the hottest part of the day in summer, when the sun is at its highest point, it shines straight down on us. And it leaves no shadows as it shines directly on us. But as it kind of moves over and it goes low and dim, it casts huge shadows. When we distance ourselves from God, the shadows in us and around us begin to grow. Darkness begins to take hold. Sin begins to take root. We begin to damage ourselves and those around us. And my wife, Amanda, um, who hopefully you'll get to meet, she'll be here this evening, Um, She's happy for me to share these things, but she was both damaged by abuse when she was a teenager and she also damaged herself through addiction. She went through some tough years, but she let God directly shine into her pains and the dark parts in order to heal her and to give her strength to overcome addiction and abuse. And Amanda can confidently say that those years of pain and abuse are far behind her. Those years of addiction are far behind her because Jesus has shined into her life and brought that healing. We come to finish. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Where are we at today? Do we need Jesus to shine inwardly his light onto our hurts or our pains or the darker parts to bring his healing and cleansing? Do we need Jesus to shine that outward light, bringing clarity and direction for the next steps of our future? 
Or maybe you've never experienced Jesus, the light of the world, shining into your life. As we come to communion in a minute, I just encourage you just to begin that process, to lay those requests before God, to ask him to shine inwardly, to ask him to shine outwardly, or to ask him to come into your life for the first time. Life is not that simple. And I'd happily talk to you about how it looks on a practical level in your life to pray for God's guidance. But it takes time, it takes prayer, and it takes patience. But Jesus does want to guide us. The good news is, is that Jesus doesn't want to leave us to stumble. But he climbs the road with us, and he lights the way. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, light of the world, we thank you for your presence here now. Lord, there are loads of us here that are probably struggling in one way or another. We need your light to shine outwardly and inwardly. I pray, Holy Spirit, you would do that now by your presence. And as we come to communion, you would speak to us something of yourselves. As we receive you, would you guide us as light of the world? Amen.